watch that video and as songs of how great is our God and uh, the, the love of to start our who God is and just how great God is. That's going to be where we start and it's important to get in that mindset before we even start looking at the passage because as we talk about following Jesus and as we've been talking about making excuses this last summer, I think it's really easy to keep making excuses when we're not motivated to do what he's asking. And it's easy for us to lose that motivation when we don't see the goal or the purpose for the day we have before us. And so when we talk about God and we see following Jesus is just a dull, lifeless task, and as we listen to those words and sing those songs, it comes clear that this isn't supposed to be a dull life. We serve a great God who has saved us from our sins and has called us to bring that message everywhere we go. So as we read the words that, uh, of Jesus this morning, I just want us to be in that mindset of when Jesus says to follow him, we're not doing something that's supposed to be meaningless or dull, but we're following someone that is great and deserves to be the first priority in our lives. So as we think about that, let's pray together here to get started. So, God, I I thank you for this day. I thank you for this morning as we focus on how great you are and give you praise um, for all that you've done for us, God. And I pray as we hear the command of Jesus to follow him wherever he may go, I just pray that we're able to not make any excuses, but focus on just how great you are. God, I pray my words today that they come out clearly and not... A jumbled mess, and I pray that we can all just learn something here together. So I pray all these things in your name. Amen. So my first disclaimer is that I am a youth pastor by nature, and so I'm used to teaching your children and their attention spans. So you may know how long that may be, but I think if we're all honest, we're kind of all the same way. So I'm not going to be here to make a long, drawn-out speech here, but I'll keep it short to the point, but I want us to kind of walk away with a different framework. So now that that disclaimer is out of the way. Um, it's also no secret to anyone here that this summer I joined a new club of people here. This, and I say club because it took four years of hard-earned membership training to marry my wife. And I've joined this club of you married folks out here. And I say the term club again because this club, we have this new lingo that I'm realizing and this new like understanding of each other that I think is going to help this story come along, and I think the second I start this, you're all going to know exactly where I'm landing. And that's the joy of being in the club. I'm realizing that now two months in. So as, as part of this club, um, my wife and I have started to cook dinner together. And um, as you all know, if you guys were at the bridal shower, I, don't, I didn't even know what a pan was. And so I'm, I'm not any magic cook myself, but we make some stuff. So we started with, you know, some mac and cheese, you know, frozen pizza, some noodles with sauce, pasta of some sort, and then sometimes we'll even get fancier with, like, we made a chicken wing thing one night, and uh, lasagna, and a fancier pasta. I don't even know what that was. But the worst part about making the food is you have to clean it up afterwards. And so we made the system where whoever cooks doesn't have to clean whoever you know clean doesn't have to cook and so I'm, I'm working late now and Jill hasn't started school yet so she's been cooking a little bit more so the dishes end up at the end of the end of the dinner and I get up from my seat and I find my spot on the couch and I pull out the remote or my guitar or something and I just kind of want to relax and the dishes are there 
and I, I put my dish in the sink, but then I'll clean it up later. I, I say I'll clean it up later. And so uh, she comes over to me and kind of gives me this, the stare. So, you know, it's like she kind of looks at you and, like, like pointing back, like, are you gonna are you gonna clean those now? And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll, I'll get to it. But first, just just one more, oh, and then I'll be good. Or, yeah, I'll, I'll help. But like, first, let's just take a walk. You know, let's get outside. It's a nice day. Or, yeah, but let's like get like a ten minute nap, just quick ten minutes, and we're, we're going. So my wife, as loving and gracious as she is, you know, gives into my excuses and. You know, we go on a walk, we watch a show, and a couple minutes pass by, the hour passes, and then next morning I wake up, and there's a load of dishes right there in the sink waiting for me. And I I tell this story because uh, it's easy, I think it relates pretty well to our passage, of it's easy for me to say, yes, I will help you, I'll serve you. But first, and I give this excuse, let me me serve myself, let me do something that I want to do. And it pretty clearly shows you where your priorities are at. If my priorities were really in loving and serving my wife at that time, I would, you know, clean those dishes right away. But in my selfish nature, as I'm two months into this thing, I'm pretty quick to put my own needs above myself. So I think this is going to relate pretty well. I have, have I, am I not alone? Have we been there at some point? I'm, I'm hoping so. As the wives are laughing, the husbands are kind of looking down, and I'm hoping that I'm not alone in that. But... Let's look to our passage today, and I think we're going to see how this all ties in together. Uh, we're going to go to Luke nine fifty-seven, and I'll read it aloud. And it's a short passage here, and Jesus gives us three responses to some excuses. So I'll read this out here for us. As, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. So, Jesus gives three responses that sound a little vague and like he's dodging the question and you don't, you don't really know what he's trying to say, so we'll, we'll help here. But to summarize what this passage is saying and where we're going to go from here, I'm going to make the that Jesus asks us to follow him wherever he goes, right now, without looking back. So Jesus asks us to follow him wherever he goes, right now, and without looking back. And that's where we're going, but in order to get there, I think we've got to jump just a few verses ahead. We're going to go to Luke 9.51, and we're going to read kind of where Jesus' mission shifts here. So, just Luke 9.51 here, it says, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Now, we know the ending of the story. Jesus ends up in Jerusalem and dies a death on the cross to pay for our sins that we deserve. And Jesus has this mission as he's on earth to finish the task that he has before him. And Jesus, at this point in Luke, there's a shift of Jesus is now, he's spreading the gospel, but he's turning towards Jerusalem where he knows what awaits him. He knows at the end of this journey, 
his disciples aren't going to like what they're going to see. And he's told them this. He's told them that he is going to die now. He's the second time earlier in this passage. Um, but Jesus is now going toward that mission. That's his end goal at this point. And so when we ask, so we look at this passage where he's saying to follow me, that's what Jesus is thinking in his mind. He's like, I'm going somewhere that you may not know where I'm going fully, but I'm asking you to follow me there. And the responses of these people are giving excuses, and one says, I'll follow you wherever you go, and that's where we're going to jump into the first part here, is one more page down. So it's the simple request of Jesus asks him to follow him, but they don't know. So the first response, I'm going to read it again here, in verse 57 and 58. So as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Then Jesus replied, Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So in this first response, the man just says to Jesus, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. Jesus lets him know in his response what that is going to entail. Now this foxes have dens and birds have nests are sense of home, belonging. I have a place to stay. I have a place to rest my head. But the Son of Man, Jesus, has no place to rest his head. The gospel is going to take Jesus to a place where he's not going to have a home. He's going to keep on traveling and bringing the gospel message wherever it takes us. He asks him to follow him. And the man is saying, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. Jesus says, are you sure? Because it's going to go wherever you go. You may not go home. You may not have a place to call home. But you're going to go wherever the gospel takes you. And we sing a song. I was thinking of this and we sing the song called I will follow and the verse and the chorus goes where you go I go where you stay I stay so in our vocabulary almost every other Sunday or so we're singing Jesus I will follow you wherever you go but if Jesus looks at you and says this is where I'm going are you going to follow me would we be likely to say yes and that's in that point wherever Jesus calls us to go and in this point Jesus is calling them to go to Jerusalem where they're going to be persecuted and where they may not have, you know, earthly life at this, but eventually eternal life. And this is where Jesus is asking him to follow him. Where's Jesus asking you to go? When you read your Bible, when you're praying with God, is there a spot that Jesus is saying, I need you to go here? But we're so quick to say, I'll, I'll go anywhere, Jesus. I will follow you. Where you go, I go. Where you stay, I stay. But I won't go there because there's no place for me there. I can't do that. Where is somewhere that Jesus is calling you to go, but you, you won't go? I, I was, as I was preparing this, I was FaceTiming with a pastor from Sierra Leone named Shadanke Johnson, and he was the first man who told me that he thought I was going to be a pastor one day, and I went home in high school, and I started looking into Bible school and all that stuff. So he's a good mentor for me, and I was, I was talking to him. He asked me, what's your message on? This, this Sunday. I told him I was speaking. He's like, oh, it's the cost of following Jesus, and where we'll follow him wherever he goes. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. Like, what are you going to say? And I'm, as I'm looking at this man, I'm looking at him saying, this guy has really felt the cost of following Jesus. He's in a, he's in a country that doesn't believe in Christianity, and he's going into these African tribes where he's had his life threatened multiple times, and looks in the face of a gun and says, I'm, I'm okay with seeing Jesus right now. I don't want to. I don't want to leave my kids behind. But if this is where the gospel takes me, I'm going. 
And his kids, you know, they've had to leave the country because of persecution and threats on their lives. And he's, Shanake's in the country spreading the gospel, planting thousands and thousands of churches in these communities. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to preach on the cost of following Jesus. And I'm like, do you got anything to share? Like, you got any tips? And I'm look, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, how many of us would be willing to do that, the lengths of which he, he has gone to? And I, so I, I share that story of a man who's done incredible things in Africa, but how many of us are called to be right here in this community? Most of us are. I know I am. I think back to my call of coming here over a year ago, and I... I was applying to be a pastor at, at a larger church, and we went through the interview process, and a few things became clear to them and then later to me that I wasn't a good fit for the job just yet, a lot more growing to do. And the first email I sent out was to a small church in Cisna Park, Illinois, and I found it on some community college job board, and Trey emails me back and says, yeah, I don't know how you found this job, but like, we're like kind, we're kind of looking. We're we're not sure yet, but we'll let you know. And I was like, okay, uh, that's fine. I'm I'm just kind of looking out to see where it's what's happening. So, three months later, a couple phone calls, emails, Trey. Still, I don't know if we're gonna if, if we're gonna have someone. If we're not, like, we're not sure yet. And I applied to State Farm. I got a job there, and every other door had closed for me. It was it was clear that that it wasn't gonna happen at this point. And I get a call from Trey saying, hey, we, I think we're, you want to come out and visit and see if it's a good fit for you? I think, we're, I think we'd like to have you. And I come here and I think, okay, this every other door has closed. This, there's only one way that God wants me to go right now, and it's right here. And after this last year, spending time with your students and learning and growing together, I, it's, it's crystal clear that this is where God has called me to be, right here at the spot. So you need to go all the way across the world to, you know, African nations to feel like you're in God's purpose and going where he needs to go. I was called right here. I believe many of you were too. This is where your home is. This is where you're supposed to be spreading the gospel to your friends, your children, and your coworkers. And so I think that when we read this, it's really easy to say, oh, I'm not following Jesus because I haven't, I haven't left or I haven't, I'm sticking, sticking in Illinois. What, what can I do in Illinois? I think there's tons that we can do it here in this community, in the state, in this country. And as we go on these different trips, you know, with the Samaritan's Purse trips, is God calling you to do that? Are you following? Maybe he's not. Maybe he is. But he asks you to follow him wherever he goes. So I'm going to stop that right there. We're going to go to the second verse here. And I'll read that aloud as well. We're going to start at verse 59. Jesus himself, he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Now, we read that, and Jesus' response is, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and reclaim, proclaim the kingdom of God. So, the man has a pretty simple request, right? It's let me just go and bury my father. That sounds like a good thing to do. And in the Jewish culture, in that culture, it was in their laws and their traditions that they would go and bury the patriarch of the family, that they owed them the honor of doing that. Now, there is some sort of scholarly debate that I was reading about that maybe the man's father wasn't actually dead. Maybe he had, maybe he's, you know, going to die sometime in the, in the future, or maybe he has died, but if he had died right now, they would have done the burial process, you know, the next day or the same day. So if this man is following Jesus and he says, let me 
go, let me bury my father, he may be asking, give me like six months. I I know he's about to kick the bucket right now. So like, give me six, maybe, maybe two years. And then I'm, I'm all on board, Jesus. Like I'm with you. So we look at that and Jesus turns to him and says, let the dead bury their own dead. Basically let the spiritually dead, the ones that don't have the gospel, you know, let them bury the dead. You, your mission is to go and proclaim the gospel to the kingdom of God. And so what he's really saying is that I want you to go bring the gospel wherever I go and right now. He doesn't say, wait, you know, until your father passes the six months or whatever that could be. I want you to go right now. That, this is the most important mission. I'm doing something right now, and I want you to be a part of it. So we, as we say that, and we look at this man's request of he just wants to bury his father. So is Jesus saying... Fathers, mothers, just abandon all of your family responsibilities. Don't worry about any traditions you have. Just leave them all and go and follow Jesus. I think that would contradict with just a few different portions of Scripture about loving your spouse and raising kids and some other things that we read about fairly frequently in Scripture. So I don't think Jesus' claim is abandon your family responsibilities. I believe the claim is... You need to go right now, regardless of what it takes. And then I'll ask you this question as well. Jesus knows your heart and where your priorities are, whether you recognize them or not. Do you think Jesus knows you well enough to look inside of you and think, okay, where are my priorities right now? When this man, straight from Jesus, his first response is, yes, but first... I need to do this. My, my family right now, holding true to these traditions are more important right now. When Jesus is asking him, oh, I want you to do this right now. If I was the first priority in your life, nothing else could come close to taking the place. There's no excuse if Christ is number one. So he's not asking for tomorrow, next year. He's asking for right now, and he wants that to be your priority. So... Let's go to the third response here. The third verse will start in 61, 961. It reads here, Still another said, I will but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. So here we see again, what's the term we're seeing again? We hear, but first, and that should bring a red flag in our mind again, that this guy's about to make an excuse. I mean, no one says, but first, unless you're about to come up with a really good excuse. I, I do that all the time at work. They come to me, and he's like, can you do this? Yeah, but first, let me just get a quick cup of coffee, and then I'm ready to go. Just but first, let's do that. So this, again, we're getting another excuse. But he's just trying to say goodbye to his family. That sounds like a noble thing to do again. Does, I, there seems to be this theme of, does Jesus just not want you to say goodbye to anyone in your family? Does he want you to just pick up and leave? I don't think so. Again, I think at this point we're still seeing that Jesus knows our hearts, and he knows that this guy's first response is, but first, let me do something. If you ever you hear in your life that, but first, let me do something, that shows you and God that that something is more important than whatever God has in place for your life. That but first is showing you that there is something else that is in top priority. 
So, I'm guessing here he says, or Jesus says again, no one puts a hand to the plow and looks back as fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not a farmer as some of you guys are, but I'm going to try to make a farm analogy. So, I'm, I'm hope I'm like, I try to be really safe on this one. So if you begin to plow your field, okay, and then you take a month vacation to Jamaica and just leave it be, and then you come back a month later and try to plow the rest of your field, I'm guessing that's not going to be a good fit for the harvest, for the business. Am I right or am I, am I like way off base? I'm, I'm like almost positive a month vacation to Jamaica in the middle of the harvest season isn't going to be a good idea. So I was, I was hoping I'd be safe on that analogy. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it worked. But you see, you, see the, you see the point that he's trying to make is it's the same thing if we're in pursuit of spreading the gospel. If we're in God's mission here of I'm going to spread the gospel to everybody I know, but first there's something that I, I got to really focus on work right now. I'm, I'm really busy. There's, I can't focus on anything else. Or I'm going to keep focusing on the mission of God, but first I got to... I don't know, there's this vacation that I really got to take, and I, that's going to be a little detour. I'm just not going to focus on God right now. There's this misplaced priorities that can deter our mission and our pursuit towards God. And I think if God is trying to be first place and anything else drives us away from his mission, that's showing us again, where are our priorities at? Is God first? Is the mission of God first? Or is whatever's coming up in our lives right now, that moment, suddenly becomes that top priority? If you put your hand to the plow and you're going forth to spread the gospel right now and then you get off the path, are you really still in that mission of spreading the gospel? Something can still come up. You can still go on vacation and still think, okay, God, I'm still spreading the gospel wherever I go. This isn't a distraction. Or work's getting really busy, but you know, I'm going to praise you right now because you've provided me with... Uh, income for my family, and this is I'm, whatever I make from this, I'm going to you know, give more to the church because of it. Or I'm going to do this with my kids and give them a better future and so that they can spread the gospel as much as they can. I, whatever that is, when life's problems come in the way, just don't let it be your first priority. God always wants to be first, and he deserves it. So as we kind of wrap up a little bit more here, the, the point of these three responses, again, I'm going to say, is Jesus asks us to follow him, wherever he goes, right now, and to not look back. That's a pretty strong request. And some of us may think that comes off a little bit offensive to our nature of, he can't ask me to do everything the way he wants it right now and without looking back. That sounds a little impossible. But as I've been saying here, don't lose action steps. Just come naturally if God is that first priority in our life. If we're always looking to say, okay, what is first and foremost, the most important thing to me. If God is there, if Jesus, the mission that Jesus has called us on is right there, it's natural that we would just follow him wherever he goes right now and to not look back. The second that becomes a second or third place in our priorities is when the excuses start flooding in. And God, I know I might be interested, I found this interesting myself, but God is never interested in being anywhere but first in your life. At no point does God say, I'm okay with being second. I mean, like, you're pretty great, Justin. I'm okay with being second to you. He's never once ever said that, even remotely close to that. He's always wanted to be first, and he deserves it. We sing the song, How Great Is Our God. I don't think any of us have sang, How Great Is Thy Job, or How Great Is Thy, you know, son who, you know, 
got in trouble in sixth grade. Like, no one, no one sings these songs to anything, any, to anyone. I saw Malachi as a look over there. He, he got a kick out of that one. But so no, we, we sing these songs because God is great and deserves those praises. I don't think anything else we can put in his place can. So I'm going to close with this here. Another example just on God wants to be first. I'm going to pull up an example that we may be familiar with, the story of Cain and Abel. So if we turn to Genesis 4, verse 2 and 3, got to go all the way back here. But this is, the, this is one of the first stories in the Bible, and it's going to highlight the fact that he's always wanted you first. Here's the story here. So it says, um, Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel in his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. So, why was one offering better than the other? Is it because God liked meat, and he wasn't a vegetarian? He didn't want what came from the ground? I think the key part of this is we look at the term in the very beginning of verse 3, in the course of time, versus firstborn of his flock. Now, those two words, I think, distinguish why God found Abel's offering more favorable and Cain's is not. Cain brought his things in the course of time, which could be, I don't know, you know, over, over time I bring a little bit of whatever I've gathered and I'm going to bring it all to God right now. When Abel brought the firstborn of his flock, the very first, God sends this message right here that I am only interested in your first. doesn't matter how much, doesn't matter what it is, I'm interested in the first. Not your second, not over the course of time, whatever you can bring me. I want, I want your first. I want the first priority in your life. And so we sing how great is our God. We still put ourselves in the first position or we put our job or our family or our spouse. But if God is so great, it should be our natural response to put him in first place. But it's a very unnatural response for our culture. The culture will tell put everything else before God and that God doesn't even exist. But So this is not normal. Jesus' request is not normal for us, but luckily for us, we're all pretty not normal. We're, 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 we're ready to embrace the weirdness that Jesus has called us to, and we're going to follow him wherever he goes right now without looking back. So can we do this, church? Can we, as a body, you know, live this mission for God without any excuses? Probably not by ourselves. But with the, with the help of the Holy Spirit and as a community together, if we can all look at each other one in the eye and say, is, is God first? Is the mission of God what we're all on track for? Or are we trying to make excuses to make some detours on the way? So I believe if all of us together, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can all do this mission that Jesus has called us to. So, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up just one more time, and we're going to sing part of the song again of How Great Is Our God. Because as we, as we really close, I want to say, if God is the first priority, how do we make that, how do we make him a first priority in our life? If he's not there already, how do we do that? And I think one of the ways is just to start right now 
And as all of us together sing the words, how great is our God, it's, it should be impossible for us, if we really believe and sing those words, to put anything else in the first place position. All right? So we're going to sing just the last part of this verse here, and I want us to walk out of here remembering just how great he is so that when we live our life on pursuit of mission for Christ, we can have this as a reminder. So would you all stand?